Lucky number seven. Oh, we're live. Hello and welcome to the Winging It podcast, episode seven, travelling with Thomas Osborne. Uh, today we're joined by a good friend, Thomas, who we met at school and our friendship has blossomed over the years. He's travelled around roughly 25 countries, let's call it that, which has covered Southeast Asia, Europe and the Middle East, amongst others. And I look forward to getting those experiences on record. Tom, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you very much. It was very... Uh... Like the formal approach there of Thomas. I think only my grandmother calls me that, but um, you know, a very elite club there. If you want to call me Thomas, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's the it's the formal uh, listeners for that, and oh, the so, informal yeah. informal ones can yeah know you as Tom, right? Yeah. Well, for those who prefer the formal approach, Thomas, Tom, either, either or, Aussie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah I, went I, was, sure, I went sure about Aussie. I was like, uh, nah, nah, I didn't go Aussie. <laughs> It's one of those annoying nicknames, whereas people that understand that know me understand it. But if you just said Aussie, you think, "Oh, you you Australian?" No, not <laughs> Are you Aussie Osborne? No, I'm not either. Yeah, not not related. Uh, yeah, Same. maybe we should just stick with Tom then for that one. Yeah, Tom, fair enough. Um, yeah, how you doing? Yeah. All good, thanks, buddy. Yeah, uh, it's a uh, what is it? Bit bit of a grey day today here in London um, as we're sort of edging closer and closer to spring, which is nice because obviously we're still in lockdown over here. Yeah, um, which has been depressing during the winter months with nothing to look forward to. So grim. very grim. Now that yep. we're slowly coming out, I think everyone's got their idea on planning another holiday. Uh, yes. But we don't really know when because there was a bit of report in the news yesterday that kind of that suggested that holidays abroad this summer may be difficult because Europe is in its own crisis with the older uh, coronavirus vaccine. So remains to be seen. We might have to be doing domestic holidays this year. Which is a uh, yeah. I I was speaking to some friends here the other day, and they said to me, um, "Yeah, how's UK doing?" I started, "Yeah, vaccines going well, roll out, but struggled for the last year." But they've announced a date when you can do what you want. They're like, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, I think it's June. Is that June nineteenth, twenty twenty first, or it is for you?" Twenty yeah, first of June. Yeah. Yeah. They said what well, they've announced that in advance. I went, "Yeah," and people are going to go absolutely mental on that day or that week. They're like, I can't believe you can just pick one day and say it's all right. I'm like, yeah, that just sums it up, really, with the UK. But yeah, it yeah. really does. Yeah, it's like an arbitrary day. Um, I guess they chose 21st of June because it's like first day of summer. Yeah. And the, I think people were just desperate for some good, good news because it was about a month ago when they set out that roadmap. Um, it's the memes that make me laugh. Oh, living for the memes. <laughs> but then you just know they're all true. The scenes... In the pubs and the clubs, whatever it's going to be at Prince of Wales Road in Norwich, it's going to be carnage. Oh, oh. Down there. God, God, yeah, it's uh, it's those ones of uh, the footage of when England were in the World Cup a couple of years ago, and everyone lobbing their beer in the air. Yeah. Like, <laughs> scenes when June 21st and the pubs open, pub up. doors, open. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I to be honest, I, I would be one of those people as well if if we were allowed to, but I just don't, uh. I'm not sure it's it's gonna it's gonna happen because there's already they're already talking about a, a vaccine hold up now. Um, yeah. but I haven't had it yet, but um, if, if, I think if you haven't been called for your vaccine um, for April, then you won't you're unlikely to get it because they've got a bit of a supply issue and now they're starting to do the second doses as well. Yeah, the over eighty, over seventies that have already had the first one, so. You know, it just remains to be said. I know there are some people who are sort of trying to cheat the system and get in first, but I just think, you know, that's not really the right thing to do. And, you know, you, you just get it when, when you need it. I'm not concerned for my health if I get it because, you yeah. know, I'm sort of healthy in other ways. So 
if I get it, then I get it. But it was more previously about passing it on to your parents or grandparents. So um, actually, my, my grandma actually ended up getting it, but she oh, wow. thankfully, although she went to hospital, she uh, she made a full recovery, and now mm -hmm. she's had her vaccine. So that was uh, that was quite lucky because I know obviously a lot of people have not been so been yeah, so it's fortunate. Been, been unfortunate. I think here they they're so slow. Oh, I mean, Canada's got some serious things to do. Justin Trudeau, sort your life out, mate. But um, yeah, they keep promising it'll be sorted by this by that date, but no one's got anything um, on the go yet. So at so least UK no, are vaccinating sort of reasonably well. Compared yeah, is there to no school in Canada? There is. They keep saying, I think it's by June or July, everyone will have at least their first dose. I mean, what's that, three months away? Not heard anything about, well, we'll be last at this, because like you say, we're like in that age bracket where it's not really that affect, affecting us, but the older people and the vulnerable, not sure. Yeah. Anyway. Let's not depress ourselves with COVID a little bit. Let's. So you're in London. Uh, what are you up to? Are you, where are you working? What are you doing? Uh, at the minute, I'm working for a high street retailer. Um, and then? Uh, well, I, I can name. <laughs> I don't know. I always feel like one of those when you hear these BBC podcasts. Like, oh, I went to a, an orange branded supermarket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll do away with that. I work for John Lewis. So um, yeah, I'm uh, working as an SEO copy for them. So that's for like search engine optimization. Yeah. Um, so it's increasing our Google rankings. Uh, it's a very, it's all about online because obviously the high street in the UK at the minute is is in particularly sort of perilous state. Dire straits. Uh, it is dire straits. A lot yeah. of high street retailers are going under. Like Debenhams yeah. have gone. Like House of Fraser have gone. John Lewis ourselves, uh, posted losses of about five hundred million um, <sighs> last really? week or the week before. So. Yeah, they've been badly affected, of course, by the the closure of shops for the past year, um, and some of them are not going to reopen now, which is a shame because you start to think some towns, when all these shops leave the high street, then you, what's going to be left? But yeah, I'm I'm in the uh, online stuff, so it's it's trying to sort of increase the uh, um, the outreach of our online. Yeah, that's key these is, days. Yeah, it's going to be key if they're going to sort of tackle um, or try and stay on the coattails of places like Amazon, which just have a monopoly there at the minute. God, they're just, they're just relentless, Amazon. Um, they are. Yeah, I don't know how anyone competes with them, but I was talking to Emily um, just earlier, actually, and about SA Travel, and I, can, I still can't believe they, they're a high street um, retailer in terms of travel. Uh, six months into lockdown, gone. I'm like, wow. How their profit margins must have been re very thin, if any. So, yeah, yeah. It's, that's quite an alarming rate that these stores are closed, unfortunately. Is we had a friend who actually worked for STA Travel, um, and she had a she was always going on amazing trips because I guess you get a discount when you work there and you get to sort of you get um, so UK based, you get four weeks vacation or sorry, it's a bit American that holiday, um, per year, <laughs> and then you get an extra four weeks to go on their products. That's so, it. yeah, that four weeks can be like the two week tour of the Belize or something or South, Southern Africa, whatever you want to choose. So, I was actually nearly joined him at one point um it's a pretty cool deal but yeah uh, i'm sure she had a great time there she did she was always going on amazing trips and they were yeah they were like often like tours to sort of very sort of far-flung places she had a lot of south america and a lot in southeast asia um she always seemed to have an amazing time so but felt sorry for when she left you know it was it was pretty rubbish um yeah it was just the nature of things everything was you know the, their <coughs> travel industry was decimated last year so still is yeah. to, to an extent so, yeah, 
yeah and you that's the thing you just wonder about how long it's going to take to get up on its feet again and what the landscape is going to look like when um you know when we do sort of come out the end of this pandemic because it's been it's been brutal for those those industries um but you think that's a real sort of a lust for people to go on holiday now because everyone's been must be so sick of being stuck inside all that time yeah you'd think there'd be some sort of boom for for travel so it has to be in this adversity i think trying to flip on its head there's an opportunity here for i say people like myself that are maybe thinking about going into the industry to set something up because start up i mean there's gonna be so much opportunity now going into like next year january february 2022 then into the summer I think this year is a little bit too late. I think it's just so much that needs to happen for it to go back to normal. But next year, I think there's a real opportunity for people to get traveling and then to people like maybe trying to help that and set up like a travel agency or I think it'd be more remote now. I think that the high street flight center type agencies are going to cease, not cease, but they'll be kind of less on the high street nowadays because people just want to maybe just book online and be remote, I think due to the pandemic, I think people were more comfortable not going into maybe a, a space, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time, that's for sure. Um, but as you said, the demand for holiday will still be there. It's not as if people are going to be too scared to go abroad anymore because everyone's going to be so fed up with being at home. Oh God, all those Brits going abroad later this year, they're going to absolutely cause havoc. Oh God. You can imagine it. And the place, you see like places like Turkey and Greece are already like, yeah, well, it's fine, you can come. You think, mm, uh, you're going to regret that. <laughs> yeah. About Octoberfest. Oh God, let's get to that later. Um, yeah. Just quickly before we move on to, to to that and Norwich, where we grew up. Um, I just want to quickly quickly ask you about you are like a budding actor. Like you you're looking to get into the scene, into that as a job. Um, how's that going? Is there anything on the go? Where you're at? Yeah. So that's obviously the main. That that was the main reason I moved to London. Um, it's just uh, I didn't go to drama school, so I didn't have the the, sort of like the connections that you get from, mm-hmm. from from doing that so it's been very um it's been really difficult to try and break into that uh uh the last couple of years I've been a little bit guilty of not probably pushing myself enough in terms mm-hmm. of um probably trying to contact the right agents to sort of get anything um and sometimes it's difficult because you know you just get you fall into kind of a, a comfortable lull of work and you sort of think oh yeah I'll do it tomorrow and I think that's one of the main yeah. issues I've had is like I've always put stuff off I've never just gone I know what I'm gonna do it now and still haven't done it <laughs> <laughs> if I can give you any wisdom and uh it's all just a link to me trying like I said before trying to travel I've, I've changed my mindset this year and um it is getting away from that attitude of doing it tomorrow so I'm relentlessly every day before and after work doing something which is where it's writing my book or posting social media or kind of ideas for my YouTube channel or anything creatively, music, whatever it is that's linked to this whole like travel thing I'm trying to do. I work on it every day. And I think yeah. it's just that little habit of maybe what can you do? Just that little, is that, is that an email? Is that a call? Is it applying something every day? And then You're something right. I think will arrive from, uh, arise from that. So if I could tell you anything, it's just you know, maybe get like a, there's smaller goals each day or each week. I can do that. I can do this. And then I think over time, you'll get something. I 100% agree. I, I, that is the right thing to do. Um, you know, as you say, you, you just sort of, the worst thing about it is when you just feel very sedentary and you beat yourself up because you think, well, I haven't actually done anything. Like a year has passed. I'm in no, the same place. 
actually, what have I done? I haven't really done mm. anything. And it's, you sort of then feel a bit helpless. And you think, well, actually, what? you sort of hear the voice in your head saying, what could I even do? How can I affect this? Or, you know, I can't affect this. But actually, as you say, even if you do something every day, you, you feel like at least you're trying your best. And that's all you can do, especially in, in this industry. You know, you've, a lot of it is down to luck. A lot of it is down yeah, to, yeah. to who you know. But yeah. you've, got to, you've got to try and push yourself as much as you can. Um, and, you know, maybe working from home has got its benefits and its positives. Uh, sorry, it's uh, positives and its negatives in that mm. sense. Because you're, you're sort of at home, so you don't have to sort of have the, the daily grind into work. But yeah, it's difficult to switch off from work when you're at home all day because your workspace becomes your home yeah, space. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, you know, I'm terrible for like concentrating as well. I, I get distracted really easily. So I often find myself working late in the evenings because I've pissed about all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell, um, tell you a few things I've done uh, if this will help the viewers or the listeners, whatever. I've written my goals on a big white sheet. Hmm. So I've got four goals this year. Uh, happy to share them. I can't remember what they are now. But one's uh, for this podcast is to get 5,000 downloads. So, okay, that's my aim for this year. Uh, one is to get a first draft of my book this year. So what I've done for that you know, writing a bit of your book, 30 minutes an hour a day is not that amazing. It's not that, wow, oh my God. But over time, if you do 365 days, that's wow. a lot of pages. Um, so I've been relentless on that. I, every day before work, I do half an hour to an hour of my book. And that is Spotify coffee coffee shop vibes on the go. It's a playlist. It's got some cool like cafe type music. Nice. And sort of block everything else out. And I'm, I'm typing away with my timeline on Facebook because I can't remember half of what I did. But um and some of the states are quite embarrassing but yeah that's that's that so i've done that and then just for an example i've actually this is actually recorded before it gets released um but at this time recording now i just spontaneously booked a three-day travel event in next week which is like an entrepreneur travel agency remote working business workshop no idea what to expect really cheap 60 dollars i bought 60 dollars for potential lifetime investment i'm going to that three days and just took them off my actual job. So that's the type of thing maybe that I've been doing that could maybe help users like just to get an idea of what I do or if I can help them or not. Yeah, no, it's, it's good tips actually. That's sometimes just talking about it with people who are, you know, also in a similarly challenging position in terms of trying to start something new. Now it's good to sort of bounce off, bounce ideas off each other and hear how, um, how, how you're doing in the same kind of field. And, uh, you know, ultimately I know that I've got to just, get on with it and not keep fighting about which is uh you know that's something that's plagued me all my life i've never been one for getting on with things which is why i've sort of drifted about but you can always well i'm the same like I'm, and until this year i was just drifting about different countries doing shitty jobs that i'm doing now Ooh. but um <laughs> uh, <edit that> <laughs> um but to go to, <laughs> to give you yeah i listen to podcasts every day and it's um, oh god, I can't remember her name. Oh, I'll come to that in a minute. Uh, she was interviewing another lady who are both entrepreneurs, and one of the quotes was just "just do it." She goes, "You can always read more, listen more, but it doesn't actually change anything in terms of just doing it." And she's like, oh, "You'll learn as you go. You just get on with it. The things that you need probably need to upskill or change." So, uh, yeah, that's a pretty cool message. Just do it, and. It is. My social media profile, I'm just going to try and raise because it helps business. But just for example, I get up and have a shit first thing on the toilet, social media, done. 
first post of the day without fail. There you go. Those sort of well, routines. Exactly. It's a good timeline. That's, that's it. You, <laughs> sort of, uh, you stick to it, and it makes it means that you know what you're doing at a certain time, which is good. Um, but actually, one, one of the things I saw recently that kind of made me think life is too short to sort of, you know, rest on your laurels, not do anything. Um, I read the inter- an interview in the Times with Sarah Harding. Uh, oh yeah, the girl yeah. from Girls Aloud, and yeah. I don't know if you saw this recently. Uh, really sad news that she's unlikely to see another Christmas because she's got terminal cancer. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Oh wow. Yeah, she uh, was revealed last summer she had breast cancer, and um, unfortunately, it's it's spread. Um, and she did an interview, uh, yeah, serialised in the Times. She's written her own book, um, her autobiography about basically about dealing with it. And, you know, she's, she said when it's come down to how she wants to sort of do, deal with the treatment, she said, you know, I don't really want radiotherapy. I don't want my head to fall out because yeah. um, I've only got a few months left and I don't want to look like that when I, when I go. I, don't, I want to enjoy the rest of my oh, life. And she said, yeah. you know, life is too short to sort of live with regrets and to yeah. live, you know, and not think about it. And actually when I read that, I thought, you know, she's right. And I hope it doesn't take something terrible like that to sort of, you know, kick me into gear. So um, it's just reminding yourself of, uh, yeah, I guess that kind of frailty that we all live with, with uh, with mortality and, and sort of thinking, you know, don't keep putting it off because there might come a day when Absolutely. Know, you aren't able to do it. I think um, I talked about that in my first episode of my podcast about, you've got to ask yourself some serious questions. Are you generally happy doing your job? If you're not, what are you interested in? If you're interested in that and you want to make a living out of that, doing it every day and you enjoy it, then just make steps towards it. I think I can't emphasize that enough. Like I will go on record and say the job I have at the minute is absolute bullshit. Like who cares about who cares about spreadsheets? Who cares about if someone can't use a system? It doesn't really mean anything to me. <laughs> it probably means something to them, but for me, I'm like I've had enough. So uh, yeah, I just start, decided to make a change. And it's weird. I keep telling them that this is, you know, I got I got 12 months left maybe in that job, or maybe a bit longer, and that's 12, 15 months to I never have to do that job again because I'm like I'm convinced in my mind that from next year mid next year onwards I'm doing something in travel onwards that's it I've got nothing else my mindset is no different and it scares me because there's pressure on like I can't go back to this I need to make it work so pressure's on so I'm making all the right moves I think just trying to get out there get stuff going um yeah and if you want to listen to a podcast episode I, I found it I had to google it because I forgot the name but what's on about earlier is it's um a podcast by <laughs> the same name, Holly, Holly Tucker. Do you know Holly Tucker? Uh, no, not i heard of her. Not really she her. is an entrepreneur, um, not on the high street. She released that, um, that product. Um, she has a podcast called Conversations of Inspiration. And her first one, which is a couple of years ago now, is with Julie Dean, who does the Cambridge um, Satchel Company, quite well-known Babs in the UK. And they, they have a great chat about... Um, set up their businesses how they got to where they were the challenges they faced and all that sort of stuff so yeah check out the podcast conversations of inspiration holly tucker oh yeah i will cheers for that no worries right let's get to the fun stuff right that's the serious stuff growing up in norwich how do you describe that (laughs) well i mean for me i didn't even really grow up in norwich i mean i was grew up in norfolk but i was about where my parents live is about 20 miles away from norwich and it's literally in the middle of nowhere like it in a field. What's the place called? It's called uh, well, it's called Hickling. Oh yeah. Um, 
but it's it's sort of between Hickling and another little town called Stalham. Stalham, Stalham, that's it. And yeah. uh, Hickling is uh, on on the Norfolk Broads. In fact, Hickling Broad is the largest of the Norfolk Broads, so it's a, a national trust spot for um, you know it's sort of a beauty spot for a part of the UK, um, and it's lovely in the summertime. Uh, you know, there's a lot of nice pubs on down the Broads. Mm. I used to work on a, in a couple of them, uh, sort of during ho- the holiday pay, that sort of thing, holiday yeah. job. Um, they were, were sort of quite fun. Um, but it, so when you grow up at, uh, at a younger age, when you go to school miles away, it's actually, um, it's a little bit, it's quite difficult. Cause, difficult, I think, yeah. Yeah, like obviously, uh, I, I went to first school near sort of around um, where, where my parents lived. And then from middle school so that's what age of eight up until 11 um i went to a school in Sproulston, just outside yeah you know, norwich and then obviously high school which is where we met um from 11 till 18 mm. so it's so from that age of eight onwards it was always you know it was never a case of you walking home from school or doing anything like that because you know 20 miles yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I maybe don't appreciate that actually. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that because I lived twenty minute walk. Well, maybe half an hour. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just didn't appreciate that. Maybe that is actually a big difference as a kid. Yeah, it is. And you know, I sort of, especially going to when I first started uh, middle school, I didn't know anyone. I mean, it happens that my mum was one of the teachers there, but that, and that's why I ended up going to that school. But I didn't know anybody, so it was sort of um, you know going and making new friends. And then even by the time I moved to Thorpe, where we met at our high school, there's only a few people from my uh, middle school came. Mm. So again, yeah. So you're starting uh, new friends all over again. Um, And then where we so people sort of where you have that ability to kind of um, to bond and like after school and sort of do things after school. I was kind of a little bit excluded from that because it was just logistically a bit impossible. Um, It was only really when I learned to drive, um, which is sort of you know, pretty much by the end of the time we were in school, that um, that kind of made a difference. I remember the year we, the school year, we turned eighteen. Everyone was going out um, clubbing and stuff, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of the end of the year anyway. But it, if, if, if people went in, sort of went out underage <coughs> unofficially. Oh yeah, for sure. um, you know, um, it was never easy for me because I always had to stay over somewhere. I wouldn't, I would, yeah. if I wouldn't go out. It's either get my parents come pick me up at some godforsaken hour or have to stay at someone's house so yeah it was uh um so you appreciate it more now where they live because it is you know so sort of quiet having mm. the opposite to living in london but yeah it definitely presented its challenges from um from a, from a younger age uh yeah i do i do seem to call that going out wasn't really a problem for me because it yeah pretty actually it was nr1 if you want postcode so i was pretty central but um difference for me was same as you came to high school not really know many people a few people come across the reason is I came I live I grew up in a, in a council state so some of the people I grew up with were interesting characters should we say yeah and luckily my mum got me into Thorpe because that's actually a decent school yeah um, but I always had this at the start yeah it's kind of a bit, not an outsider but had to start fresh time the people that I went to middle school with didn't go to that school they went to another school um, which was not yeah. that great at the time and I think I had to thank my mum for getting me out of that uh, estate in terms of friendships going forward because I don't know where that would have gone with some of the shit that goes on down there. But um, yeah, so I just 
managed to get out and start fresh, but it's tough, like, growing up. Yeah, and it's quite critical, isn't it, at that age, because that's kind of the sort of the first kind of big kind of roadmap, really, of where you where you head. It's the people you kind of meet at that age, especially when you're sort of going to your, like, your early teens. That's when you become, you know, you make decisions or you, you build friendships that can impact sort of where your, your life goes, can't you? Mm. Um, yeah. That, so it's, uh, it was, yeah, I, I'm, I'm grateful that I did go to the school that I did in the end. Because I think yeah. well, when we went, it was a, it was a good school. Um, and obviously, you know, we're part of a, a wider circle of friends who have obviously all stayed in close contact since then. Yeah. Too late sometimes. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe delve into that a bit later as well. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, but you, you look back and you laugh at exactly like moments like that. And you think, oh, I'm so, I'm lucky that, you know, I went to school and was able to sort of make friends with, with a, a group like that, who we all have sort of similar, similar uh, tastes, if you will. Uh, and uh, it's, it's kind of meant that we've, we've stayed friends over that, yeah. that long period. I mean, that's coming up to 20 years now. That's uh, it's a lot of stories. It's a lot of stories. That's probably a podcast series in itself. But, um, I was going to say, yeah. When, definitely market there. When you get bored of this one, you can make one on the side about uh, <laughs> SAS. <laughs> um, did you, when you were growing up, did you travel much, actually? As a, this is a travel show, but I have some travel questions. Did you travel much as a kid? <laughs> um, I, I was quite lucky, actually, um, in that I always um, was able to go on a summer holiday. My, my parents were both teachers, so we were quite restricted oh, yeah. in terms of when we went. Um, yeah. We always have to go during the summer holidays, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we often sort of the early part of my childhood so during the nineties. Often our holidays to France or Italy. Nice. Uh, my grandma's Italian, so there's always a link back to yes. Italy. Yeah. Um, but often we'd go and we'd actually drive, um, which I know driving holidays seem to put a lot of people off. Yeah, but I, I think they're actually really nice because especially in Europe, it's awesome. Exactly. And the landscape, I mean, to get to Italy, you obviously have to go through France and Switzerland. And mm. the landscape you get when you drive through that part is, is absolutely beautiful, the scenery. And we, we, we drove down um, to Tuscany. I remember that was about cool. the first holiday that I just about remember. I was only five. So that would have been 94. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember sort of the, just little bits. Like the, I remember a couple of hotels. We, we think we stopped at two hotels on the way down had two weeks in a really nice villa in in tuscany and then um sort of same on the way back you know two two holiday uh, two stops on the way back um but that was yeah i, I so I, I was really lucky in that when those parts of the, my childhood would often be driving to france or italy um yeah. so we got away dream um, countries to go to on a nice trip they are. Younger. Yeah, yeah they are i so, just haven't explored them hardly at all well france will come to probably a bit later at next actually but um aside from football football competitions <laughs> i've only been to italy once and i just want to go back uh, i've been in europe for that you know in my adult life that much but um yeah the only driving trip i've done was we went to again it's football base but we went to the euros in 2012 and a few of our friends oh, went yeah. to ukraine that's a and people think ukraine yeah i mean that one yeah it's a decent decent uh drive but once you that's get on the um, autobahn yeah yeah all the way across we got to i think we got to calais to krakow in one day i mean it's not impossible oh. um but i guess if you want to do like a stop in 
you can stop anywhere um, in Europe along the way and see all these different countries and places. But yeah, I've never really done a road trip. I think there's a bit of traction there in the future to, especially with a bit of a camper van, just to drive around. Oh yeah, I um, definitely from Europe. Recommend definitely recommend that. There are loads of places, that, especially nowadays. We've got Airbnb and places like that. Yeah, there are so many nice little guest houses, particularly if you were going into France. So many options, and the French mm. countryside is stunning. Yes, of course. Yeah, um, and it's you know it's very sort of authentic. You know, yes. you stop these little French guest houses, and they are exactly as you would imagine. Um, France is so unique, isn't it? The culture, yeah, the language, the food, even. It's one of those countries that have stuck to its like its own uniqueness. It's quite, oh, quite strange. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely a place to go to. It's, I think it's one of the most visited places in the world, actually, every year before COVID. So um, yeah. people, people obviously love it. So um, I don't yeah, blame them. And it, it's, cause I think it, because you don't realise how big it is until you, you sort of drive down. I mean, I, in fact, a couple of years ago, three or four years ago, um, my parents, my brother, and my um, niece and nephew, we uh, drove down to the Ardèche, which is south of France, sort of the southeast region. So it's not too mm-hmm. far away from, it's not too far away from Marseille, uh, maybe about 40 minutes or so. Um, but we sort of got the ferry across, uh, no, we didn't get the ferry, we got the Channel Tunnel across um, and drove to the first night to Troyes, which is in the sort of the eastern side of France. Right. That sounds a very French word. Well, spelt Troy's. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I know as in Troy's. I thought it was cool. That's yeah, my that's what I, when you sort of watch the, uh, look, look at the French football league, you see Troy's. Troy's, yeah. yeah. But actually, it's Troy. Uh, <laughs> the French oh, I think any oh, French I'm new today. I'm wrong. Um, um, I don't think I've had any French listeners yet, but um, maybe we can reach out with this one. Well, there we go. That's a bit of a, <laughs> that, a bit of franglais for them. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, drove down from from Troyes down to the Ardèche the next day, and you, I would be driving through like I think drove through the centre of Lyon, and that was a bit of a nightmare. I tell you, because we ended up getting there during sort of rush hour, and yeah, yeah, is that French word as well. Troyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that is that the sister city of Troyes? <laughs> yeah, Troyes and Troyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not Lyon, but that one. Uh, there's a few Troyes on the, on the way through, and yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a, but that was uh, that that was an interesting trip. I said a few hairy moments with a sort of some of the, the traffic you get through, and it it's always a bit scary driving in a different like a, a different country as well. Because obviously yeah. in the UK we drive on on the left, and everywhere else in Europe drives on the right. So magically gone there. The great city of Troyes. Right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Leon was a bit of a nightmare, was it? It was. It was just it was just because the the traffic, I think, and just being a bit stressed out by yeah, going going through it at rush hour. But um yeah, it was it was a really nice holiday in the end. Um and actually sort of the driving part was really nice. We traveled to uh, Paris for Euro twenty sixteen. So this was I think pretty much everyone in our group went apart from one Spax. Yeah. Um he has a name out there. Um, but we went as a group, huge group, and fit into what I would describe as a modest apartment <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah, uh, for, the right, size, for the size of the group. Um, fun trip, that, wasn't it? Cool, yeah. That was, uh, what was it, football? 
There must, I think there were 13 of us in, yeah, mm-hmm. an Airbnb that definitely wasn't made for 13 lads. Um, no. Um, yeah, I, think we all, I think we all grew a bit closer together after that trip. Yeah, we did. Um, you and I shared a bed, of course. We did. And uh, there was this moment, I think we can both describe, where I, I can't remember if it was just in the morning or as we're waking up. I think it was. It was in, when, when we were waking up, and it was like that. It's not going to get um, x-rayed, by the way. Um, One of those moments where we accidentally touch hands and in yeah. the instant of that touching hands both went oh, oh. <laughs> and <laughs> sort of looked at each other and went oh right okay and then just carried on uh, yeah it was a uh, it was, it, one it of was those, a moment it was, definitely was a moment um and it's obviously one that is very memorable for both of us because yeah. we can yeah we both have, have clear recognition of that um, <laughs> we do yeah. but i mean thinking of some of the other things that went on in that flat for the the, the duration that was Probably very tame. Um, yeah, I think you've described that pretty well there. Uh, we won't go into too many details of those. Nah, best not those, to do that. Those yeah. sessions, but yeah, 13, 14 lads having a great time. We got to travel around France. So we went to obviously Paris. We were based in Paris. We went to Marseille. We went to Lons. Yeah. Um, where else did we go? You went to Saint-Étienne, didn't you? Yeah, went to Yeah, that's in Lyon, though, isn't it? Just Lyon. outside Lyon, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, we saw some sites, saw some football matches. Uh, England were crap. God, they were awful. awful. Yeah, they were Although there was the highlight, the Wales game. Now, out of all the shit football that we saw, um, I was pretty boozed that day. Um, I was going to say, Hammer, how much of that game do you actually remember? So, this was a double-header day. This was up to Lons to watch England-Wales, back to Paris to watch Germany-Poland. And... I just seem to remember snippets that day, but the reason I remember snippets is because the 6% beer before the Wales game took its toll. Cool, yeah. A very short amount of time. Um, yeah, I seem to remember three things that day, and these aren't going to be great for the listeners. Number one is scoring the last minute against Wales. That was a hectic moment. Cool, um, yeah. Getting into the ground was a bit of mare, so classic boozed up. Didn't we slip up a hill? Didn't you slip down a hill or up oh, a hill? Yeah, I, I wasn't going to say that, but yeah, that's all right. That's, yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll come, let's, let's do that. So we're walking to the ground and there's... Bear in mind, I think you should, you should say as well, that when we got to Lens that day, there was rumours there was going to be an alcohol ban because they were worried, this yes. little French town, about this invasion, this British invasion, basically, of English and Welsh fans. So there was rumours of that. And then we found somewhere that was selling craft, craft ale yeah. And someone said, oh, it's quite weak. So everyone said, well, we better have plenty of yeah. it then. If it's weak, you know, <laughs> yeah. we need to tank ourselves up. And then what we only realised afterwards was that actually that was a complete lie. And not only was it not weak, it was particularly potent. Strong, so yeah. By yeah. the time, you know, it got to get into the game, I think just like a 2pm kickoff. So it wasn't like it yeah, was yeah, yeah. late. Or was. Um, everyone was a bit wobbly on their feet. And uh, there was a, the terrain wasn't the, the easiest, shall we say? In it wasn't the easiest, and to get into the stadium, as we discovered. I do, I do recall getting to the stadium. Uh, there was this like hill bank area. I think some England fans decided to run up it for a laugh, and some normal Welsh England fans just kind of went around the side and went up the steps. And I thought just for a laugh, I everyone I'd try and do the same. So I got, sort of went back a little bit, little run up, straight up the hill. Got to maybe three quarters of the way, lost for slipping, lost for foot. And there's just that drowning cat of like trying to grab anything <laughs> to stop you falling down, but I sort of slowly and 
got gathered speed. I sort of fell back down the hill, back to where I started, mud all over me. <laughs> really, everyone's like chewing, going, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> uh, and then getting, getting to the right seat. So, yeah, our group was divided. <laughs> yeah, man. Our group was divided into like maybe three or four groups that game. Group and four, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, looking back, I obviously went right. Right. So I tried to find my seat. I went right. And I, as I kept going around, I was like, no. No, and it, obviously we come, when you're going around in a square sort of like setting, you've got to come back to where you started. And if I just went left, I would have saved myself about 15 minutes trying to run around the ground, getting there in time for the uh, national anthems. But I sort of managed to get in. I saw my mates just stand there and I was like last in and I was so, so boozed up. Well, you but, were um, in day, to be fair. Yeah, that someone was, I was Someone I was sitting with, um, I think, had to find a, find a toilet at half time. And uh, crazy. Yeah, having had too much to drink uh, that sort of halftime break was quite was well needed I'm not sure how how much they remember of the second half either no I just thought no alcohol during the game I just try and watch the game I didn't need it um yeah Oracle was that yes yeah, so number one Oracle the last minute I do recall the the hill incident but the last minute equalizer well, no, winner sorry um everyone going down to that corner we, were the, we weren't at that corner but it looked pretty carnage down there yeah so that was good that was number one from that day number two on the way back on the train I fell asleep on the toilet. No, well, I do you remember as well the hassle of getting onto that train? Because yeah, I, I recall was, the commotion outside and the yeah, hold up. It, was, it was in the wake of the terrorist attacks in France, wasn't it? Because the um, uh, the 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 incident at the Bataclan in Paris had been the previous November, um, and then uh, so they were obviously on high alert in France, mm. and yeah. was it, they like versions like the military police i think were out so they're mm. obviously all in riot gear because yes as we know england fans carry a reputation with them when they travel abroad um and we had obviously been to the england russia game yeah before before that where things had turned really ugly between england and russia fans mainly the russian fans let's be honest i know yeah. england fans have have got that reputation <clears throat> with us, but the russians were something else that that's day. Diff- they different level that day yeah yes. um, I've heard and seen a few things, but not that. Yeah, that, yeah, was, that, that was insane. And I felt sort of quite lucky to get out of there without being attacked, to be honest. Mm. We did well to avoid any trouble. So by the time that England Wales came around, yeah, everyone was on high alert. I remember trying to get back to the station in Lons and the police weren't letting people into the station. Yeah. We had tickets, obviously, to the Germany-Poland game, which was that yes. evening in Paris. Yeah. Um, and we missed our train because the police wouldn't let us in. Yeah. And no Stressful. one knew what was going on. Um, and eventually, I think we all sort of basically piled into the next train, and mm. it was basically standing room only, or you know, sit where you can. And yeah. I remember Norma, one of our friends, was in a luggage rack pretty much for the. Oh um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Back and yeah. Uh, you found solace in the toilet. Yeah, until someone knocked on the door saying, "You're right there, mate." Oh yeah. Oh, oh where am I? Oh, I'm on the toilet. Yeah, I fell asleep. Um, I think I was. Did I chunder? I can't remember if I chundered there, but anyway. Um, before we finish on Lons, I do remember that day there was a worry that England and Wales fans turning up of the angst, maybe, because of what happened in Marseille. But actually, the Wales and England fans, it was almost like a brotherly uh, atmosphere, and there's no trouble whatsoever. Yeah. It was like the complete opposite. So they were, I think they were probably slightly relieved that nothing was going to happen, and there's rumours that some Russians might turn up, but uh, none of that happened, and it was actually on the whole part of the natural game, like the whole atmosphere was fine. Everyone got on. And uh, yeah, so we got back to 
Paris. And the third thing I do remember quite clearly that day is half time, um, or maybe during the first half, I can't quite recall the exact timings of the Germany Paralympic game. I had to grab one of those cups they give you as you enter the ground when you grab a drink and detrude some body fluids. And that was a, com- a combination of all the, probably the food and the booze that day. And unfortunately, a family saw us, but behind us saw me uh, do that and promptly left a bit early. But um, not, pr- not proud of that, but um, just happened. Yeah, to- well, exactly. I mean, you know, unfortunately, when what, what can you do when you're in that situation? And, you, you know, you need to detrude in fact you detruded into the cup and I think you detruded the stadium entirely didn't you and uh I left left. Little, yeah I left a little bit early but um you, you, you got I think it's nil-nil anyway wasn't it so it was, it was a really boring game actually yeah. it was one that you know we were sort of had to hightail it back for and really wasn't wasn't worth it but obviously yeah. we, we went to know that beforehand and I cool in hindsight so just had to had to take action sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do so emergency action yeah Okay, so let's finish with um, uh, Paris. I thought I love Paris. I actually want to go back because other than the football, we did actually manage to go and see some sites and yeah, trendy cafes in and around um, where we were in Les Halles, I think it was, wasn't it? That's it, yeah. That was, that let's, was not, let's, not go to, <laughs> let's not go to French. Uh, where's it again? No, yeah. apologies to any French listeners. We are, we are basic and, uh, yeah. you know, we remember <laughs> the name. Uh, but, yeah, forgive us. Yeah. We won't we won't stir up any other uh, sort of previous attempts at pronunciations of names because no, because I'll just lose it again and that'd be embarrassing. So let's go to uh, a mutual event that we went to is Oktoberfest. Cool, yeah. uh, we went there in twenty fourteen, late twenty fourteen. When it's is it holding? How old are you? Yeah, but in September October. I can't remember oh yeah, so, so, so despite the name Oktoberfest. The, it starts off the final week in September, I think. Or yes. The final week in September. Um, yeah, the last week in September, first week in October. That's it. Yeah. So great events go to. A, a lot of Australians and Kiwis go there because it's just one of those things to tick off as an event to do in Europe. Um, I'm glad we ticked that off. And a few a few experiences were had. Um, I, I was going to say, in lead up to this, that um, I've never seen Tom laugh hysterically at something which we'll describe in a minute and actually lose at that state when you cannot control yourself but actually luck would have it I've not had that for a few years until this conversation so that's brand new for me <laughs> I cannot believe it I cannot believe that's happened uh, I've not laughed that much probably in years but um yeah when you completely lose it can't breathe your, your face hurts um so talk us through why you lost it what what did you see what did you witness well I mean that sort of, I guess you sort of have to put in the context of, of the day. Uh, yes. For those you know who don't know what Oktoberfest is, it's basically a big beer festival, um, and you go to this big. I guess it it's like a big park. I get during the rest. Yeah. Of the year. And yeah. It's all, like a park. Yeah. Yeah. All, all these tents up with different beer uh, sort of served in each one, and the tents must hold have a capacity. Of I don't know. Maybe. I don't know how, what the capacity over a thousand. Over a thousand, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and you know, you could imagine like a Munich sort of beer hall. It's kind of that sort of thing. So big long tables, and you sort of pile onto a table, and basically just drink beer that comes in volumes of about a liter. I think it's a Stein. Stein. Yeah, it's a liter in it. Yeah. I think it's one one liter, and we'd already 
the, the night we, we'd gotten to Munich, we'd sort of thought, well, we'll have a few in our hostel. Um, and obviously being us went a bit overboard and had a few too many. Yeah. So remember the day, that day we got there, I wasn't feeling too fresh to begin with. Um, and the rest, we all sort of sat down and everyone ordered beer. And I, I, I asked for a water and the waitress looked so confused as if she said, are you, are you driving? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not driving. Um, mumbled some excuse. Yeah. She, she wasn't impressed. And it turned out that the bottle of water was almost as much as the bloody mm. beer anyway. Yeah. So after, you know, got rightly ribbed by the rest of you for doing that. So, yeah, moved on to the beer pretty swiftly. Yeah. Uh, and as is the way, you sort of, the more you get through, the more merry everyone gets. And in each of these tents, there's usually like a band, isn't there, in the middle on a, yes. a bandstand. Yeah. And they yeah. crack out some sort of classic songs, brass band style. Um, and one of their favourites in Munich is Sweet Caroline. They, they yes. love that song. They love that song, don't they? Uh, and sort of by the end of the sort of mid well, I said by the end of the day, it wasn't even the end of the day, it was like mid afternoon, no, but it was like we've been there for hours. I mean, we had. Yeah. Uh, uh, people by this point getting a bit more leery. There's yeah. a lot of sort of like tub thumping, and people start getting up and sort of standing on the benches. Um, I didn't realize that they weren't secured to the floor to begin with. I thought they were just sort of, you know, nice. Yeah, I second that. Yeah. Yes, well, both of us didn't realise. No, did we really? Which is kind of where the crux of this sort of conversation comes to. Um, obviously, you and I were both sort of enjoying sort of a, a good verse, "Sweet Caroline." I think it was "Sweet Caroline." It was definitely, definitely was "Sweet Caroline." I remember it? Yeah. Um, and then, sort of, we were sort of got our steins in our hands, sort of, uh, shouting along, and then I fell under my feet when we were still on this bench. It wobbles, and I was it, like, "Yeah, yeah." There, yeah. there we go, there's a wobble. So I tried to run it, and I think you wobbled at the same time. And because they're, they're, they're like really long benches, when someone gets up at the other end, that also wobbles everything. It and does. If loads of people are standing on it, that in- in- increases their wobble ability. And basically, before we knew it, we felt this wobble. The next thing I know, we're both just flat across the bench, like fallen face first slammed our faces onto the bench all i can remember when i look up is seeing you covered in beer because the beer just sloshed all over us <laughs> laughing hysterically <laughs> but still trying to sing along <laughs> to the song at the same time and it was honestly one of the funniest moments i've ever had in my life when people say i think i'm gonna wean myself yeah i think i did wear myself a little bit that day because it was just so extraordinarily funny I, I can't do it justice. It was one of the. One of those I can only give you what I experienced alongside that. Is I, in hindsight, I do remember that we're on the edge of the of the table, if you like. So on that little bench, we really should be in the middle bit where it's a bit more yeah. stable, um, but we weren't. Big so when you got me at ninety five to one hundred kilos at the time in that pool park, it's not going to help if it's wobbly uh, for start. But all I remember is jumping on. Uh, I don't want this common theme here, me being boozed out with these stories. It's not usual me, but I've got a few in my, in my locker, but just let, put it out there. But yeah, Stein in hand, Sweet Caroline, I'm singing, and then wobbles happened. The next thing I just remember is I am like this. So this, I've described that. I'm at an angle. So my head, I've, I've somehow stacked, the table stacked me, and my head is towards the floor, and I couldn't get out. I was stuck, I was wedged. And my legs are in the air, and the steins 
were on the floor. I was covered in beer. <laughs> Luckily, somehow missed all the steins on the table. I didn't break any glass. How we did that? We, we, I don't know how. The thing is, what we, neither of us realised is we must have tipped everyone else off as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we didn't notice what went on further down the table because we were obviously both like on our, well, not even on our asses, on our faces. Yeah. Just. And I remember looking up and you were just in hysterics like, like I was a minute ago. Um, just lost it. Couldn't contain yourself. Like that, that type of laughter where you just can't do anything about it. And I think Spax maybe pulled me up. I can't remember who pulled me up. Because I couldn't move. I was wedged. And I remember like looking at you and I looked ahead of me and I think, was there like a table of old women or yes, old clientele? And I, I think we covered them in beer covered as them well. In, <laughs> I covered them in beer as well. Uh, yeah, so Spats got me uh, back up onto my feet, and uh, I think it was the same day that I was going with one of our friends to the Bayern Munich game uh, against yeah. Paderborn, I think it was, yeah. um, at the Allianz Arena, which required us to get a train. But I think Joe said, "Look, we need to go. You need to clean yourself up, and we'll go." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever." So I went to the to the bathroom under the under the, the hand dryer. Got my hair under there because my hair was covered in beer. I was trying to dry myself off. I was just absolute state. Um, yeah, so that was the Oktoberfest I remember from one of the stories. And yeah, I went to that game with Joe and yeah, booze up on the train asking, are we going to a Dortmund game or are we going to buy and I like, just trying to wind people up. Um, I went to buy a Dortmund flag at the Bayern Munich merchandise shop. They told us that they didn't have any. Right, okay. Um, kind of told us where to go. So yeah. <laughs> And as per usual, I fell asleep at the game. They won 4 0. I think Lewandowski scored. Don't remember it. Um, there we go. That's one of those days at Oktoberfest. But a great event to go to. It was. And I think it was, so it was summed up by the fact that a lot of local people go there and enjoy it as a festival where they just have a couple of beers and just enjoy the fact that it's like an annual festival. Yeah. And, and it finishes at midnight, doesn't it, as well? They start, they start so. yeah, closing yeah, up. It's and... not like an all-night thing. Because, no. and a lot, because basically, as well, no one can carry on like, beyond that because you've been yes. there sort of, at least maybe 12 hours by midnight. Yeah. So, I mean, no one really wants to carry on after 12 hours of beer, um, no. especially when you're a local and you've got all these like jobs from abroad coming in, Brits. checking all over you and <laughs> making a complete arse out of themselves. Brits just can't, can't contain it, can they? They just can't believe that sort of thing exists. And if that, if that was held in Britain, it would be carnage. It wouldn't oh, be chaos. uncivilised. and oh, oh, be, would be. That's yeah. the good thing about it being held in Germany. It's very efficient. They know exactly what they're doing. And they allow a good level of sort of fun. They are yeah. strict and, you know, um, authoritarian. But there is a line. And I remember, yeah. I can't remember if you saw it, where there was, there was one guy... Um, every now and then sort of it would break out you'd be in the tent and someone would stand up on a table um and like literally down this their stein as yes. you said, that's a reef of beer that is a lot of beer yeah and the crowd so, so you don't you wouldn't really do it unless you you really knew you could manage it yeah and the crowd would sort of you know g them up and there'd be a lot of applause and obviously as they down it a big rapturous applause as they finish and i remember there was one guy he tried to do it and i was a bit suspicious of his intentions before because mm-hmm. moments before that he had been what I thought was passed out on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, some, okay. 
somewhere got this energy from to stand up and try and start downing this sign. It wasn't even a full sign, but it was, you could tell it was not going to end well. Yeah. And he didn't manage it. And the crowd got a bit restless. Yeah. Sort of booing him, me included. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you do. You think, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing? Like, you, you know, come on. You've got to have the balls spot. doing that and you've got to back yourself. That's the exactly. thing. That's yeah. the thing. You've, you've got to back yourself. Yeah. Um, or you've got to take the criticism. Yeah. 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 And he did neither. Um, <laughs> when the booing and the heckling started, I remember he basically lobbed this stein and they are heavy glass. Yeah. Uh, you know, tankers. They are. If you that hits someone in the head, that is doing a lot of damage. Yeah, and I remember he threw it on the floor and it bounced off the floor, um, and sort of thankfully didn't hit anyone. But the security were on him as yeah, soon as gone. he did that. They came straight in, dragged him out. And <laughs> that that always stuck with me. It's like they were like, you can have fun, but if you cross that line, you are out. Yeah, I said to a call. Didn't some people tried to climb? Might be our group. Um, some of the, the middle part of. Where the band was, didn't some people yeah. try to climb that, and that was frowned upon as well? Or I think that was someone who has uh, actually previously appeared on one of these podcasts. So. <laughs> oh, okay, no names mentioned. <laughs> no names mentioned. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, there was a, there was definitely a donkey kick to the throat of one of the waitresses as he tried to clamber up the uh, the central bandstand, and I think there is a picture of him rightly being told off by her afterwards. And asking what the hell was he doing? Naughty um, boy, what was he doing? Yeah. So but hey, we've all done things. Um, I've described some stuff here that it's not great either. So ah, live and learn. Young, wild, and free. Exactly. You know, but you know, it's just uh, all, all sort of part of the fun and games, really. So yeah, Oktoberfest, get there. Um, obviously, when COVID's over, um, I would recommend that. Uh, Europe, as we're in Europe, I want to move on to some other areas of the world that we're going to discuss. Um, where would you? Say your favourite other countries in Europe that you travelled, or would recommend. Um, so my kind of travels in Europe predominantly will be Western Europe. Uh, yeah. So I've said about France and Italy, done Spain, Portugal. Um, I've done kind of odd like weekend trips to the Netherlands, uh, and I've done a couple of stag stag trips there as well, Ooh, yeah. um, which are always a bit fun. But obviously. Uh, Amsterdam is a particularly prevalent stag location or yes. party location for British people because it's so close. Yeah, and, and obviously it's got a reputation for being like a good sort of like loose city. Yeah, yeah. Um, last, no, was it last year? Two years ago now, uh, I went to Sweden for the first time. I went to Stockholm. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, and that was really nice. Uh, we went. Uh, when was it? We've been late August, and it was actually a lot hotter than I expected it to be because you. You sort of see where it is on the map. You think oh, it's ne- never going to be that warm. Yeah, uh, but it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think we had three or four days there, and that was re- loved. Love Stockholm. Would mm-hmm. really recommend re- recommend that. Um, outside, yeah, so outside of Western Europe, um, I've also been to Greece. Uh, yeah, so well. Greece is on my list of probably top three in Europe I want to go to in terms of a country. Yeah, I've never actually been to the mainland. I've only ever been to a couple of the islands. I've been to Corfu yeah. three times. And last summer, uh, when we had kind of the rest, the COVID respite in the, in the summer when Brits were able to go abroad, uh, I went to Mik- uh, Mykonos. No, not Mykonos. Santorini. Oh, Santorini dream. You always see those uh, like influencers on Instagram, like, oh, Santorini breakfast on the coast. But you're like, yeah. oh, does it even look like that? I mean, does it look like that? Is it, is it as good as they say? 
It is beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's I didn't know much about the island before I went, and essentially what it is, where um, sort of the, the habitable parts of the island are, it's basically on the side of a big volcano. Mm. Yeah, it was it was it, uh, really spectacular actually. Um, yeah, so, th- so the edge, uh, but basically it's like a big sunken volcano. That's what it, there was oh, an earthquake there two or three thousand years ago. Um, yeah, and uh, the volcano obviously collapsed after it erupted, and where the island is now, the the habitable part of the island is basically like the the outer side of the volcano. So the big oh wow. Uh, what it surrounds is essentially the, un- the the underwater sort of caldera of the volcano. Oh, nice! Can you can you tour the volcano? Yeah, so right in the centre, there's um, a little bit of island that sort of come that breaks the, the surface of the water, and it's yeah. it is volcanic. So it's oh, okay. like basically like all black rock. Um, yeah. I think there is a church built on there because in all those kind of Mediterranean places, <laughs> usually if there's a volcanic island, there's usually room to build a church on it. Of course, something. yeah, yeah, yeah um so you, you can you can do boat tours out there you can swim in the water but um it's, it's quite warm because it's volcanic but it's also advisable if you're going to swim there wear something that you don't mind being ruined because of the amount of i think it was it iron in the water or oh, yeah or like it turned just basically your swimming clothes are orange yeah um, and i think one of the locals told us there there is a festival they have on on that sort of volcanic bit of the island every year. I can't remember exactly what it was for, um, but yeah, you, you you can definitely take take trips out to it. Uh, we were so we were actually really lucky when we went because I've had friends that have been before who have said how um, it's often been ruined because there are literally there are too many people there at the time. Like during the summer, during peak season, it's so yeah. crowded. And often it's it's one of the locations where cruise ships stop. So uh, when you've got cruise ships coming in with two, three thousand people, and yeah. you've got like you know several cruise ships coming in, plus all the people who are there on holiday, it just it's too much. Like the the streets are, are narrow. They're as you would expect for like you know sort of aesthetically for like a Greek island. They you just can't cope. They can't cope with that yeah. amount. Um, and I think that was why it was so nice for us last year because there wasn't any of that obviously cruises weren't going because of covid yeah. there was limited amount of travel so the island itself wasn't packed the the downside was you feel sorry for the locals who you know their trade is is in deep trouble because they don't have the amount of footfall mm. but yeah if you were going traveling that was an ideal time to have gone actually so if you do get a chance to go this year i don't think it'll be back to normal this year so if there is a chance i'd recommend going like when it's sort of when it when it's quieter um not my cruise though oh. not not no i would i'd say if you want to go for for like a holiday go go for a week there um mm. it's yeah i'd explore for a week i think i'd go to santorini for a week and just try and yeah get to there's, local there's places a, and stuff like that yeah there's a part in the south of the island where you've got a lot of the ruins from the volcanic eruption um which sort of is interesting to go to and there's a there's a town at the tip, the northern tip of the islands. I think it's called, God, I can't know. I don't know how I'm going to pronounce this. Like Oya, I think it's called. And okay. you've got some amazing sunset views from there. Oh, dream. Um, yeah, if you're a lover of sunsets, then that is an ideal place to go. There is so, so beautiful when the sun comes down. Um, Question, are sunsets better than sunrises? You know, I did see that. Did you vote on my story on that? 
I actually couldn't decide, so I didn't vote. Ooh, neutral. But I I would actually go sunset because sunrise comes with the hassle of having to get up early, and I'm yeah, not on a exactly early. exactly that. And how many know, times do you do a trek or a tour or a hike, uh, like semi-organized? I can name like a real flow. It's like Mount Fuji or uh, Mount Kinabalu ones we've done. Oh yeah. Well, we leave at two a.m. What? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we, we get there for sunrise. I don't want to get there for sunrise. I don't care about sunrise. And then we get up at 2 a.m., we leave at 4, take two hours, we're sick. It's, it's really hot. This is Mackinac Blue, by the way. We're really, really high up. No view. Too, too much cloud. Oh, that's worth it then. Yeah. Then on the way down, when it's a bit later, it cleared up. I'm like, oh, so we actually had a bit, bit of a lie-in and then went up. We would have Could saw some stuff. Yeah. So Mount Fuji got to the... I, we, we put a... Um, you got different type of base camps up as you go up called base camps as huts we sleep really it's not that high up but you can choose from the first one to the last and we chose to go to the last one because it's only 45 minutes to the top mm. and everyone's leaving at like 5 6 a.m and me and emma were probably maybe one or two people left at the end like chilling out packing trying to get our clothes dry because we're soaked from the day before had a bit bracky everyone's racing up to get for sunrise but it's cloud it pissed down yesterday you can't see a thing and when you got to the top, it was clear because we're above the cloud, but the view, just cloud. I'm like, oh, yeah. that was worth it then. So, yeah, we just got fed up with doing things for sunrise. So I'm 100% on sunsets because you can weigh it up. Well, ex- exactly. Uh, yeah. the only, I think the only tour I've ever done, like a sun, sun, well, potential sunset sunrise tour, was when, um, I don't know if we would come on to this, but when we were in Cambodia, I went to, went to Angkor Wat. Um, it's one of the, one of two I remember being a good sunrise tour was that. Well, yeah, we 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 actually settled on going the sunset tour because we were like not getting up early for that. <laughs> and actually, the year we went, which was two thousand eleven, it was just as well we didn't go early because they were doing refurbishment, so half of it was <laughs> right, half, like green, yeah. green tarpaulins. So it's like well, that makes for a great picture. Um, and yeah, by the time I actually got around to sunset. It had been a nice day. Got sunset, heavens opened. Yes. So basically like drowned rats under a green tarp. <laughs> Near something that looks quite nice. Yeah, totally get it. I think we had the same thing. I think, yeah, so now it starts 4am in, in CM Reap um, to get your tuk-tuk driver and have your breakfast and get going. Um, yeah, that was one of the best sunrises we've done. I think I've done it with... Oh, did we do it, Emma? No, I think we refused this sunrise. But that was the first time I went there. And then the other sunrise thing, which was cool and needed, was in Varanasi. We were done a, a sunrise boat tour on the Ganges. And wow. I think it's good because everyone's just getting up. India's is for the people. And when you see the sun sort of like come up above the river, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, that's cool. Like, it's just that mist there and it's not too busy and it's not too noisy. It's just a bit calm. Then the chaos kicks in as the day comes in, but they're the two sunrise ones I can think of. 